This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hi and welcome to TN Tehillim. Today this class is going to be sponsored. This class is being sponsored for Yosef Chaim Ben Alana, Doreen Bat Yael, for Shalom Bayez, Bracha Hatzlacha, and Parnasa, and everything they do with Good Mazel, and Tamar Bat Fortune, that she should be happy and healthy until 120, Matilda Mazal Tov Bas Rachel, Mazal Tov Bas Sol Shalamis, they should have a for Shalema, and they should be happy and healthy, Admeyev Esrim Shana. Just want to make an announcement before I start. I want to just thank the sponsors of this class, and I just want to extend an invitation for any of you who would like to take part in this chus of inspiring others and bringing them amazing tools for their lives to help enhance their lives. Um, you can email me at yalbertram at gmail.com, and you too can have this chus and sponsor a class. This parak that we're going to be doing tonight, Parak Lam and Aleph, was actually requested by a loyal and committed T.N. Tehillim follower. And I invite any of you to submit your requests of what parak you would like, you know, what parak is close to your heart or what parak you have to say on a regular basis that you want to gain more insight to. Definitely you could reach out to me and ask for that parak. You could recommend it, suggest it, you know, suggest it, and I will do my best to accommodate I love connecting with all of you. Questions, feedback, uh, just go to my website, yalbertram.com, and I'm so happy to connect with you. Also, for those of us who are not teenagers, as you could see that I'm not, um, there is a follow button on Torah Anytime next to my name. If you would like to be informed of upcoming classes that are posted, just click that button. Okay, so we're going to be learning Parak Lamed Aleph. Thank you, you know who you are, whoever suggested this Parak. And basically an overview is that David is davening here about his difficult relationships with his enemies or lack thereof. Uh, he has a toxic situation going on where people, all the people around him are betraying him. People that he even thought were close with him are betraying him and spreading rumors about him and slandering him and plotting to kill him. So he's feeling endangered by the people around him. And today, I would like to focus on our tools, the tools that we're going to be learning. I want them to be, we're going to focus on dealing with these types of difficult interactions with people in our lives. Many of us, I would say most of us at some point in our life, was likely to have come across a person who in some way was trying to control them or take away their freedom in some way or cross boundaries into areas that they shouldn't be in. And we, we don't always know. To some of us, it's more natural to protect our boundaries. To others, it's something that requires effort, requires work, requires you know, a lot of inner introspection about our beliefs about our boundaries and a lot of practical tools about how to create and how to, you know, up, how to maintain those boundaries. So this is a very important topic that really relates to a lot of us in a lot of areas of our lives. And I am so happy that David Amalek brings us this beautiful parak so that we can we could have a reason to discuss this very important topic. So let's look at Parak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. Lamnateach Mizmar David for the leader, a psalm of David. So we actually, in one of our previous prakim, discussed what Lamnateach is. We see this as the introduction to a few prakim, many prakim in Tehillim, 
And so we want to understand what is Lam Natseach. So Lam Natseach means for the leader, for the conductor. So it could be that it's, this is David giving over the music notes for this psalm to the conductor of the musical instruments. Lam Natseach for the leader could mean that he's directing this tefillah for Hashem. Hashem could be the conductor. And an interesting thing is if you look at the word Lam Natseach, you see the word Netzach in there. What does Netzach mean? It means forever. And this is basically alluding to the fact, David is alluding to the fact that this, the messages that you're about to hear in this parak are not, and, and in all the Prakam of Tehillim, are not just for, you know, for David's life. It's messages that he wants that should, should go on forever. They should apply to all of us in all future generations. Pasuk Beis, V'cha Hashem Chasisi. Okay, I seek refuge in you, Hashem. So basically here he's saying, I'm about to talk about all the, the difficulties with my enemies, but I don't, I'm not looking to them for help. I'm not looking to convince them out of being mean or hating me. I'm looking to you, Hashem. I'm putting my trust in you. And the next few psukim here, we're going to see the different things that he's asking Hashem for and all the trust that he's expressing. And, and the, he's telling us over different ways that he was saved in the past, which gives him trust. And he's asking for new types of protection. So let's look at Pasuk Gimel. The second part of the Pasuk, we're going to skip around a little today because it's a very long parak. Be a rock, a stronghold for me, a citadel for my deliverance. So he's asking here that Hashem should be a tzor ma'oz and a base mitzudos. What's the difference between these two things? So a tzor ma'oz, he's saying, Hashem, create, make a big rock behind me. Like there should be a big rock that I could lean on behind me so that if anybody wants to come surprise me during during this battle, I shouldn't just quickly have the have the impulse to turn around and kill them. Put a big rock to protect me from behind me so that I shouldn't kill anybody else. And a beast mitsudos is create four walls, like a fortress around me so that I could be protected from any invaders who want to kill me. And with this, I want to introduce to you the idea of creating boundaries, and th- th- this is what we're going to learn tools about at the end of the, when we finish the psukim. We have to know that, just like most of us know, to keep our money safe, to keep our jewelry safe, to close and lock our front door, and even put on alar- an alarm at night, we have to know that it's just as important to recognize the importance of protecting our values, our rights, and our truths, because you know, that part is not so obvious somehow. And we get influenced by others and we get manipulated sometimes and we end up doing things that are against our value system, that are against our truths, that are against what feels right for us. And the problem is that when we don't protect them, when we don't close that front door and lock it on our values, rights, and truths, then just like somebody would walk into your house and steal your jewelry, if your front door was open, so you're going to, if, you're, if your front door is open to your values, your rights, and your truths, and, and you know, your, your, what your inner voice is, is talking to you about, if you're not honoring it and your front door is wide open, then people are, you're going to attract relationships that are not going to honor and respect you into your life. You're going to attract people who are going to come and try to take advantage because people are going to are going to you know are going to do whatever they can if they can if they see that you can be manipulated then then you will be you free me from the net so here he's talking about we spoke about the zifim that came and surrounded him um, you know in in zif 
and he's saying here, Hashem, I was, it was, I was in this net. I was, I, was in, I was like heading for certain death. They were surrounding me. They were all over me. And you saved me. You took me out of this net. So here he's reflecting on the past. And, and this is what gives him Amuna, talking about these miracles that happened to him. So I think this concept of like this net that traps us is something that a lot of us could relate to. And personally, there was a time when I was going through something that was so difficult and painful, and it felt like I was—it felt like I was being in a trap. I felt like I was—I was—it felt like a net was trapping me. I had no way out of it. And somebody asked me, I remember, and she said, "You know, y'all, what are you gonna do?" And I remember saying, "Like, gee, I, I really don't know. Like, it, it kind of feels like there's Mitrim behind me, and there's a Yamsuf in front of me, and I don't have any good options." I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't have a good answer for this. And I, I remember that, that suffocating feeling, like really being trapped in a situation where I didn't have a way out. And when I look back at that time in my life, and Baruch Hashem, I'm in a great place, and I'm, I'm Zoha to actually use all the tools I learned during that time of my life to help everybody else and to, to be a source of guidance and light for others, which is such a schuss. So I wonder, like, okay, so what did I do at that time? Did I choose to swim in the water in front of me? Or did I get killed by the Mitzrayim behind me? Or go back to the Shibut of Mitzrayim? What ended up happening? Because it seems that Baruch Hashem, I'm in a great place. So I, I think back and it's like, you know, yeah, this is Totsieni Me Reshes. I got... I got, ta- I t- got taken out of that trap. And how? I don't know. Maybe a helicopter came down and flew me off to some tropical island. I don't know. But Baruch Hashem, I'm here today. And this is what happens. We think we're stuck. And then a helicopter comes. And, and off we go. If we trust that it's going to come, it comes. Pasuk af Into your hand, I entrust my spirit. So David is saying here, Hashem, you're not like a human being. You're 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 someone that I could really trust. You're you're I could trust everything that I have with you. So what's the difference between entrusting ourselves with Hashem and entrusting ourselves with man? So there's two different examples that I there's two different ideas that I saw here, both beautiful. The first idea, just to give you an example, have you ever given in your diamond ring? to get cleaned or to get fixed. Maybe it was a little loose in the setting. And you take it to the store and you give it in and you're like, okay, I'll wait here. You fix it, you know, and then uh, I'll wait around or I'll come back in five minutes and you'll give it back to me. And they'll say to you, you know, sorry, we need a few days. Come back next week, Monday or next week, Wednesday. And you're like looking at them like, are you kidding me? I'm going to leave this expensive, beautiful, precious diamond that's sentimental to me. I'm just going to leave it here. Like, I don't know. Okay, it's a firm store, but I don't know what you're going to do with it, right? Like, how can I trust? Who knows who's walking in and out of here? Are you going to put it in the safe? Uh, Like, what happens if, uh, if when I get it back, there's a different diamond instead in its place? Like, did that ever occur to you? It occurred to me. So here David is saying, Hashem, I give you my neshama every night and I know I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to have that same precious neshama back. I'm not going to wake up as a different person. I, I, because you're a Kel MS, you're, you know, it says at the end of this post, a Kel MS, because you're honest, I trust that I'm going to come pick up my diamond in the morning and it's going to be there, that same diamond that I gave in at night. 
And another idea is that usually when we give somebody something to borrow, if you have a wedding gown and you give it to a cousin to wear to a wedding, you know in your head that it's a sacrifice because when that gown comes back, it's going to be tattered. It's not going to be at, in the same condition. It's going to be, you know, you're going to, there's going to be a hole or a stain or, you know, all of the above. So, but it, when, when it comes to our neshamos that we entrust with Hashem when we go to sleep at night, the most amazing thing happens we go to sleep exhausted. We had a we had a we had a busy day. We're we're feeling it. We're we can't think. Our brain has slowed down, and our, our physically we're tired, and we need to be you know we want to go to bed and go to sleep. And then in the morning when we wake up, poof, right? We get all of our koach back for the next day, like like new, like fresh. We have more koach a lot of times than we did even yesterday morning. So we shouldn't take this for granted. This is a big miracle. And this is biyarcha af kiruchi, because Hashem is a kel ms, and we could trust, we could trust, you know, everything that we give Him, that He's going to take care of us in the best ways. Pasuk test velo iskartani biyar oyev ha'emadetav amerchav raglai, and do not hand me over to my enemy, but grant me relief. So he's saying here, you freed me from the net of the Zifim, right? You freed me out of nowhere. You just helicoptered me out. Literally, a huge miracle happened, and he was surrounded on all sides, and all of a sudden, he was free. He was free. Everybody, all the troops left. Nobody was bothering him anymore. He was free to come and go as he pleased. So the question is for us, right? We said, the messages here are netzach, they're forever. The question for us here is, who is doing this to us in our lives? Who is constricting us in some way? Who's creating this feeling that of hiskartani, like sagar? Who's feel, making us feel closed off and not allowing us to feel freedom, to live by our values, to live by our truths, to do the things that we want to do, to try to become the best people that we can be. And once you identify who's doing this, and we're going to do this at the end of the parak, then you don't need anything more from them. The interesting thing is, it's not like you're going to be convincing them to change. No, you're going to, you're going to, we're going to learn how to use our own power and to, to work from our own power to change these relationships without needing anybody else. And that's the beauty of setting boundaries because that it's all about what we do and it removes us from pointing fingers and blaming and trying to change other people. And you see David HaMelech, you know, and he, he's reaching out to Hashem, he's soothing his emotions, he's devising his own plans. He's not looking to, oh, let's sit down and make a treaty, let's figure out how to change you so that my life could be better. Because all of my foes, he's saying that he's, he's, he's like shamed by all of his enemies, and now we're going to go on, you know, the next few psukim, I'm going to skip them. Um, they're going to go on to talk about all the, the suffering that he went through in the hands of his enemies, the slander and the threats and the degradation. Pasuk tesva but I kept my faith strong in you. Pasuk biyadcha itosai. Even though everybody was putting me in such a dangerous situation, all my enemies were making me feel so scared and so constricted I believed in you because in, in Pasuk Zion it says, because your, my, my times are in your hands. So what does this mean? What is he trying to say here? So he's saying, my times are in your hands. I recognize that every millisecond of my life 
is in Hashem's hands. And if it's not, if it wasn't for his constant hashkacha pratis, and, and for him being the one who's in charge of when somebody's born and when somebody dies, and all the different zmanim and times in his life, then I would have been long gone. If my life would be depending on my enemies or on nature or on coincidence, forget it. I would have been gone a million times he would have been dead by his enemies. How many miracles did he witness? So that's what he means by biyarcha itosai, that every second of his life, Hashem would have taken away his hashkacha for even one second, poof, forget it, he's gone. And, and that applies to all of us also. And sometimes we question, does Hashem really intend to be doing this to me right now? Whatever a person could be going through that's difficult. He could say to himself, like, I, I, I just, is this, you know, there's like that little question, even a Baal Bitachon has that little question, like, is this really intended to be for me right now? Or is this, is this somehow just like slipping through the cracks and, and it's just like an accident? Oops, right? And we have to remind ourselves that biyarcha itosai, up till now in my life, Hashem guarded me and protected me from any health issues or outside dangers. And, and I could have been dead a million times if not for the fact that biyarcha itosai. So because of that knowledge that, that my times are in your hands, therefore in the future, it's incumbent upon me, to trust that you will continue, that everything that happens in my life is, has a specific reason, it's calculated, it has a plan, and, um, and that's what I trust when I recognize the past of how every moment of my life was guarded so carefully. How abundant is the good that you have in store for those who fear you? So here he's saying, uh, yes, every second of my life is controlled by you. But also, not only that, he's praising Hashem and he's saying that everything I do is accounted for. Whatever I do, you don't just forget about it. Not only that you're watching me and protecting me, but you're taking the good deeds that I do and you're you're putting it away and you're you're reserving something very special for me to compensate me for those things. How abundant is the good? And what what is what's the good that's being spoken about here? The good that's hidden, that's safan, is the good of Olam Haba, of the next world. And Yeshaya, it says that a Navi can prophesize on what will be in the time of Mashiach. But nobody, nobody can know, no Navi can ever prophesize what the pleasures of the next world are going to be like for those who are God-fearing. This is tzafanta l'reacha. This is hidden from us. We don't know. The pleasures of the next world are something that we can't even comprehend. But we do know that it says in Pirkeyavos, Yafa shah achas shal koras ruach ba'olam haba. That one hour of pleasure in the next world is so much greater than all the pleasures of this world combined. So the good news for all of us is that we're heading to a good place. We have lots to look forward to. We're, we're, we're all God-fearing. We're here. We're on Torah anytime. We're on Tia Tehillim. We're listening. We're working on ourselves. We're seeking. We're seeking closeness and... We have lots to look forward to. Marav Tufcha Asher Tzafanta Lereacha. Pasuk Chavdalit. Ehavu Es Hashem Kol Chasidav. So love God, all you faithful ones. Okay, so now we just spoke about the fact that Hashem protects us and Biyadcha Itosai, He takes care of us every second, and that He has something very special waiting for us in the next world. And now David is commanding us, so love God. 
command somebody to love God? How can, can I command you to love somebody that you don't love? Right? So the, that's the question here. And it's the same question that we have when we say Shema. The same question is asked over there. How can we be commanded to love? And we can see the same answer in both places. Ahavuah Hashem is coming after, it's coming after all the, the, all the things that David is saying to show how much we are cared for, how much Hashem takes care of and has compassion and gives us Hashkacha Pratis. So human nature is that when somebody else is showing that they care for us and showing us so much love, it's impossible not to love them back. It just that's just the way human nature is. If somebody's showing it to us, we naturally then feel it for them. And the same thing is by via hafta and shema. Before via before shema, we say avas olam avtanu, which also speaks about the compassion that Hashem has for us and how He loves and takes care of us. So avuas Hashem kol chasidav pasuk chafei chizku. This is the last pasuk. Chizku v'yamet levavchem kol hamiyachelim laHashem. Be strong and of good courage, all of you who wait for Hashem. So when a person puts his his trust in God, his heart is fortified, is chizku v'yametz, is, is strong and fortified um, with courage. Like we sing, you know, I, Daddy, I remember Daddy used to sing, v'kovei Hashem yechalifu koach. I could hear his voice singing it. I'm, I'm dating myself now. But I could really hear his, his words, and it, th- those words also mean that those who place their confidence in Hashem will have renewed strength. Just to give you an example um, that to really bring this to our life, we, you know, we're going to enjoy the rest of the summer and Ritz Hashem, you know, we're not, over, it's not over yet. But I know that for myself, when September is coming and I know that I'm packing up and ready to go home back to my house and taking the kids, you know, shopping for school supplies and getting ready for the school year ahead, it's, a, it's an overwhelming feeling. If you start to think, Oh no, think about all the things that I have to do this year. I have to shop for all the school supplies. I have to make sure that the kids are happy with all of their teachers. I have, this kid needs therapy. That kid needs tutors. This kid, I need to find the right mentor for them. Every kid is a whole world. Every kid has their own needs and, and so many of them. And, and if somebody is going back to a, a job, what if they lost their job during Corona and they have to worry? Now, what am I going to do? How am I going to make Parnassa? Where am I going to, you know, how am I going to find something that feels fulfilling to me where I can make money and, 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 and feel good about myself? There's so many different worries and concerns as we head into this new school year. And we have to remember that just like, you know, sometimes you write things on your to-do list and then you look at it later and you're like, oh, wow, all this got done. You ever had that experience? You're like, oh, how did all this get done? Things get done. We don't have to view life as hard. We don't have to see things as being difficult. I just had a client who was is overwhelmed and there's so many different things that she has to work on in her life and her kids and her husband and her marriage and her finances and yeah, a lot, a lot going on. And you know, I told her, I said, listen, you could choose to remain with these thoughts that you're overwhelmed and it's all on your shoulders and it's so heavy and how you're going to manage all these different elements. Or you could decide to change over and, and, and shift your thinking and, and decide that you're putting, you're, Hashem is going to make everything happen for me all around me and life is easy and I'm supported and guided. And guess what? If you learn to say that and you learn to think that and you learn to believe that, 
and you walk around with that feeling that you are being supported, you're being helped. Everything is falling into place. It's not all on your shoulders. Then you're going to see that come into your reality. And at first, this, this lady, she didn't believe me. When I started giving her these ideas and explaining you know, her how the world actually works in, in, in the spiritual realm and how these things actually do, you know, these do work, that if you change your mindset, you'll change your outer reality. She didn't believe me, but once I started giving her tools to do this and to give over her heavy burden to Hashem and to walk around feeling light and supported and taken care of, she and I told her to keep track of all the evidence and things that are coming into her life to prove that this is really happening for her and that it is actually working and that Hashem is responding to her level of amuna. then she saw the truth of it pretty quickly. And... Um, and she saw what a huge, massive difference it made in her life. So we have this idea that things in our life have to be hard. I have to struggle if I want something good. It's not true. We, you know, Hashem can give us everything. He wants to give us everything. We just need to make ourselves into that kli and live in that state of trust. And we will. It's, it's really like a flick of a switch. You make that decision that you want to change your mindset and change your life. And it all just, it, it, it could be very easy. It could be very simple. Things don't have to be hard. Things don't have to be a struggle. If you anticipate that they will be, then you will end up living out that reality. So let's shift and let's remember that when we, when we trust and when we give it over, we're, we're so much, we, we have so much more energy for our daily life and, and, and things just get easier all around us. So to sum up this parak, if you're dealing with any difficult relationships in your life, I have news for you, you're not alone. You're not alone. David HaMelech Davin's here, that Hashem should help him. And, and he, he, he encountered this issue his whole life. So don't feel like there's something wrong with you. Don't feel bad about yourself. Even David HaMelech struggled with this, and in such a major way, bigger than you could ever imagine. And he uses this parakir to strengthen his emuna, to put himself into a trusting mindset, remember all the miracles that Hashem made him in the past, and to ask for help with these relationships, with these issues in the future. And we too can use this parak to help us in this area of our life. You can turn to this parak if you're dealing with this type of issue. But practically also we know that we need to take action steps and move ourselves forward and get ourselves to a better place and get ourselves to a place of relief where we could actually live our lives and feel free and, you know, and live them the way we choose to live them. So how do we do this? Okay, so the key, like I mentioned already, the key is the tzor ma'oz, the base metudos, right? We said in the beginning of the parak that Hashem should provide a rock to protect me from hurting other people, and to provide a fortress around me to protect other people from hurting me. And this is boundaries. So we hear, the, we hear this word boundaries thrown around so much. But what are they? And how can we bring them into our lives to protect us? So two questions. What are boundaries? And how do we use them? How can they help me? So boundaries are our own personal filter system that we program that we control and we program in order to protect our values and truths. We program them 
to monitor how we treat others and how we allow ourselves to be treated by others. In this class, we're specifically exploring the how do I allow myself to be treated by others. We're exploring that part. When we don't have boundaries, then we're powerless. If we don't know about setting boundaries, then we end up having nothing to do besides blame the other person for what they're doing to us. The problem is that when we do this, you know, it might feel easier. It might feel like the only answer. But in reality, it's just keeping us stuck because we're just handing away our power to other people and giving, putting our lives into their hands. And, and, and we're powerless, right? If they decide to stop crossing our boundaries, my life is good. If they don't, my life is bad. So this is why we need boundaries. We need to reclaim our power and decide what we're going to tolerate and what we're not going to tolerate. Because whatever we allow, that's what we're going to get. If your door is wide open, your jewelry will get stolen, right? So stop trying. We have to stop trying to think like, I'm going to make the other person get it. The other person doesn't have to get it. You need to get it. You need to get you. You need to get what's true for you and get in touch with that inner voice, of that intuition of what feels right for you. And then healthy, when you honor that, then healthy people and healthy interactions will follow. The people around you are going to match you at the level that you are with yourself. So we're going to give practical ways of, clarity, of you know, clarifying. Let's start. Number one, the first thing that you need to do when thinking about um, starting to create boundaries is really, and this part, this first step here is really beyond the scope of this course. I'll just say it in short. But um, before we actually give you those very practical steps, there, there needs to be some inner work done. There needs to, you need to dig in and ask yourself the following question. What beliefs could be holding me back from being able to set and uphold my boundaries in this situation? What beliefs or ideas or values that I have inside of me? What inner programming could be holding me back from being able to set and uphold my boundaries in this situation? We don't realize it, but very often we're carrying, we could be blaming somebody else, but inside, when you know, we're blaming them for not giving us space or trying to control us, but inside, we could be carrying around the belief that if I, if I don't let them, if I say no, then I'm being selfish then I'm not being a nice person. I'm not giving. I'm not generous. So if we're holding any of those insecurities or those beliefs inside of us, it's not going to allow us to protect ourselves and to close and lock our front door. So this is a very important step. That we're not going to get into it today, but it's something that you need to ask yourself. What beliefs could be holding me back from being able to set and uphold my boundaries in this, in this situation? In a previous TN to Hillen class, um, I did give, and you could see it on my website, my previous recordings, I gave a whole class on challenging beliefs. And what you would need to do is challenge these beliefs, beliefs and get to a healthier belief so that you could be in a stronger place to really believe in your right to, to uphold your, your boundaries. Okay, so the second idea is, and this is going to be your practical work that you're going to sit down and do um, you know, it's all practical, but this is going to be your step-by-step -step work to help you figure out exactly what boundaries to set. You're going to ask yourself three questions. Who, what, and how. Okay? So who, meaning who, whose behavior is taking away somehow from my quality of life? Who's trying to infringe on my, on my life and, and some, in some way damaging my physical, emotional, mental, spiritual health? So you're going to isolate 
you know, who that person is, and then what, what is the behavior that they're doing that I'm feeling damaged by, and then how, how can I set a protective boundary around those specific incidents, those specific behaviors that I'm isolating. So let's do this with a real life example. For example, let's say if I ask you who, and you'll say my parent, you'll say one of my parents, um, is infringing on, on my boundaries and it's affecting my life in a negative way. So I would ask you then to say what? What specifically? What are the, let's say pick two things. Pick, you want to pick as few things as possible. Pick the things that affect you the most, but, but not too many things because once you decide to set these boundaries, you have to stick with them. So what? What are the issues that are bothering me? Maybe the parent, let's say number one, she tells me the parent criticizes her a lot. And number two, you know, like incessant criticism. Every time the parent comes for a visit, they're finding the bed and they're, and they're criticizing her, they're criticizing her kids. It's, it's damaging for them. And the second thing is that the parent is very adamant and expects, you know, her to visit them every single day, daily visits. And this is, this is taking a toll on her life. She works, she has kids, it's difficult for her. So these two things, criticism, a lot of criticism, and expecting daily visits. Those are the two behaviors that, let's say, she'll tell me her parent does that she doesn't like. And the third question of how, how, what could she do, how could she set a protective boundary on specifically these two things? So let's say for the criticism, she might, she's going to have to sit down and decide what's realistic for me. What can I do here to protect myself that will actually be something that I could actually do, right? It can't be something, oh, that's very nice, but like I can't actually execute it. It has to be very practical and easy to do. So she might say, well, when I hear the criticism, I'm going to say, I hear you, but I'm not going to let myself get dragged into the whole long discussion about it where I'm getting put down for, you know, 20 minutes in a 20 minute conversation. So, you know, and, and, and she might say, you know, and you have to troubleshoot. Well, what if the person then comes back and wants to continue the conversation? So she would have to think and decide in advance. Well, how would I handle that? Would I change the topic? Would I say, you know, I would love if we could try to see the good in each other? Would I have like a go-to line like that to say? What exactly would she do to protect herself from the incessant criticism? And the second thing of expecting daily visits, right? Her parent wants her to come, they're lonely, they want her to come every day. She would have to start committing to listening to her inner voice. And to, to asking herself, so many, so many people, so many of us, me included, don't even hear, I, you know, there's so much inner work that I myself have been doing to, to work on hearing my inner voice. We're so programmed to do for others, to be there for others, and that's beautiful. But when we don't hear the volume, when the volume of our inner truth is off completely, then we're totally off center and we have a problem. And we're going to attract unhealthy people, unhealthy relationships, unhealthy situations into our life. We have to be aligned with who we are. So if the, if the parent expects daily visits, I would probably tell, you know, she, she would, she would, let's say she might decide to, you know, to say, well, let me go inside and let me see how do I feel around this visit today? And the way that she would see how she feels around this visit, the way that she would determine, should I go visit the parent today or not, is asking herself, does the idea of visiting this parent today constrict me? 
Do I feel like I'm being constricted when I think about that? Or do I have a feeling of being expanded? And am I feeling okay and happy and fine with it? And relaxed about it? And that would be her paying attention to her body. Her paying attention to her intuition. And then, if this way, when she does visit him, even if she doesn't go every day, when she goes, it will be coming from a genuine and authentic place where the parent will really feel that she wants to be there with them. As opposed to having daily visits where she's grumpy and fed up, right? So, this is an example. The parent that, you know, that, that criticizes and expects daily visits, she sets a plan in advance that she's going to say, I hear you to the criticism, but not get dragged into the discussion. And she's going to determine how her body feels when she asks herself, should I visit my parent today or not? She's going to honor herself because when we honor ourself and we get in touch with our inner voice of truth, then we can, we can show up much better in life for other people. We're able to give from a genuine, authentic, real place. And the last thing I want to say today on this idea of boundaries is that changing relationship dynamics in this way and setting these boundaries can in some cases feel almost life-threatening. It could, it could feel like it, the, the change that would, that occurs when we shift things and when we actually build up the courage to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that now, or no, I will not apologize again, or whatever it is, you know, we could be very scared because the relationship could be set up a certain way for years and then we're changing it. But if someone really wants it enough to live, if someone wants to live an authentic life where they're self-partnered with their inner truth, with their inner voice, then they will be committed to doing it no matter what. So how do you deal with that discomfort? I would suggest creating like a one-line mantra to be there for you in that, in that difficult time, in that, in that time where you set the boundary and then you walk away and you're like so uncomfortable, right? Do I, do I go back and say, forget it, I'll do what you want, right? You're, you're feeling pulled to doing what, what's natural for you, what you always used to do. So how do you handle actually like really strongly maintaining your boundaries in those moments. So you want to have a go-to line. You might say to yourself something like, it's okay that she's disappointed. I can handle her disappointment. I'm stronger than that. I can handle it. I can handle it and she'll be okay too. Or something to that effect. And even if you don't believe it right away, you keep saying that to yourself, it will strengthen you and it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So to review, we said that to set boundaries, we have to examine what beliefs could be holding me back. That has to be the first thing that you do really because that's going to determine how easy or hard for you it is to do the second thing that we said of asking the who, what, how questions and actually like upholding those boundaries. You know, the, the more you really analyze your beliefs and make sure that you're in a good place, that you're strong and able to set boundaries because you're, you're aligning, your insides are aligning with that, the easier time you'll have to actually, you know, when you're actually doing it and setting it and maintaining it. And the third thing we said was give yourself, you know, plan in advance. What's that mantra that I'm going to tell myself to give myself chizuk when I'm struggling in that discomfort of changing that dynamic? It is my greatest hope and prayer that we all enjoy peaceful, loving, and easy relationships. And I want to thank all of you for showing up today and listening.